This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls have games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams, and voices. About to show these boys how we do it. Higher, further, faster, baby. It's not about deserve. I'm not an owl! A girl has no name. There is something supernatural at work here. It's about what you believe. Did I stop on your moment? The guardian love you soft. Now on. You're doing right. You made the odds be ever in your favor. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, my name is Monica, and with me today is my lovely, amazing, glorious, right there on the left side, co-host Amanda. Hello. It's Hello, me. Hello, Amanda. Amanda. How are you doing? I am doing good. Thanks. I'm excited because we have some awesome guests on the show today. We do have some awesome guests on the show on today. To our left, for the people who are watching us, well, not to our left, well, in our middle sandwich <laughs> between Amanda and I. It's an Ari sandwich. And for the podcast listeners, it's an Ari sandwich. <laughs> people don't um, on the podcast don't really see that. But we have Janice and Seb, who are both amazing Hello. people who worked on the game Ari and the Secret of Seasons together. Janice was the writer and Seb was the chief of all trades. I will just call you that. <laughs> you can elaborate. It's true. It really is. <laughs> That's kind the of the vibe of everything. I <laughs> director of everything. <laughs> That's quite the title, really. <laughs> It comes with the most fun and the most responsibility. <laughs> it's all the important titles, they sound so ominous and then they're like kind of everything and you have to like pull all the strings and do all the stuff and it's just not even getting close to what you're actually doing. I, I wanted to put Penguin Trainer on my uh, on my business cards, Ooh. but actually uh, Camille, the the girl that was doing uh, all the concept art and uh, the the animation in general, told me like, no, you ha you don't have right to do that. <laughs> and I followed. <laughs> I would totally put Penguin Trainer on it because why not? And no one will ever forget it. They'll be like, remember <laughs> the director that put Penguin Trainer. <laughs> I mean, when Zuckerberg can write IMCO bitch on his card, then you can write Penguin. And train on your card. <laughs> like rethinking all future business cards right now. <laughs> oh. Well, it could be nice to give them away at a certain point, also the business cards. <laughs> I know. I, I, why are the business cards are dying? The industry is like archaic now. Yeah, well, true. it's yeah. also meeting people. Well, true. Shut <laughs> <laughs> down. So, <laughs> this last well, time we were able to hand someone something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such a thing as the true. pandemic going on, and you forget that things are suddenly not as important anymore, or you can't really do them anymore. I mean, before, and basic parts is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Before, when living in LA, people would avoid each other, but now it's like avoid each other with a six foot <laughs> distance. Now it's not just passing each other on the sidewalk like this. Now it's like, okay, let's go out of our way to be as far away from people as possible. It's actually really sad. We have a guideline and they, I don't know why, because we're nowhere near anything like that, but um, our government decided to, um, that we have to keep a distance of the size of a baby elephant. <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. And we're like, 
we're in Austria here, you know, we don't really have baby elephants running around. So it's like just very, very <laughs> weird that people, there was a whole thing that that baby ele elephant and now in advertising, then you always see this huge stuff, baby oh, elephants yeah. on TV when they try to elaborate that this is the distance we need to keep. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it makes me smile because you think of a baby elephant. <laughs> I true, couldn't yeah. put the size of a baby elephant. That's the thing. How big is a baby elephant? And when is a baby elephant still an elephant? Like, when is it still a baby? And how big is it when it's still a baby? And how fast does it grow? Like, all the important things you don't know. Like, there's all these variables, you know? I know. That's awesome. Anyway, we are not here today to talk about baby elephants. Even no, that would be a great episode, I just want to say. It would be great. Yeah. Like, with penguins, and do they know each other? And do they meet? And what happens then? But this is not what we're talking about. For those of you who have already basically been a bit around our Twitch channel, you saw us play the um, Aryan The Secrets of Season, Secret of Seasons. And the two wonderful people on that side will tell us a bit more about that today. And we're going to have a chat about it and all the other great things that have to do with great games and creating them and writing them and directing them and all of that. Oh, but before we get into that, we're going to take you two through our rapid fire round just so that we can all get to know you a little bit better. So who wants to be in the hot seat first? I vote Seb. Seb it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Seb, where are you from? Well, I'm from uh, Bretagne in France. Uh, so the the spike of the France, the little spike uh, above the, just under the UK. And what are your preferred pronouns? Generally him, he. <laughs> okay. And when are you a geek since? So let's think a year and maybe a story of your first geeky experience. Well, for me, uh, I, I mean, I, I was like always playing outside and so on and up till I got a, a Sega Genesis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I met, uh, <laughs> yeah, I met Sonic uh, and then I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to make video games. <laughs> nice. nice. I know somebody who's in our chat right now who is also a big Sonic fan. That's my fiance through Extra Lives. So he's going <laughs> to love that. <laughs> He already said so relatable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what are your biggest geeky influences? So you can think like books, movies, TV shows, teachers, games, maybe something else? Uh, well, mainly games uh, like Tomb Raider, Soul River, um, and other kind of games like that. Uh, as well, in terms of like uh, cinema, was like a lot of the Disney, like Aladdin, for instance. Uh, also, like uh, some uh, Christmas movie like uh, Gremlins. <laughs> it's not really a Christmas movie. But <laughs> uh, it's cute until it's not cute anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite book is uh, Broken Angel from uh, Richard Morgan. Uh, don't know if anyone read it, but uh, it's pretty cool. Sounds I haven't cool. read it, but I will add it to my list of books to find. <laughs> what genre is it? Uh, it's a, a cyberpunk sci-fi. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> So it's cool. actually, um, the, I'm pretty sure you know the first uh, tome because he did like few tomes. Uh, the first one is Altered Cal Carbon. And mm -hmm. uh, they oh. did recently a show on Netflix. Yes. Uh, oh. Yeah. yeah. 
but uh, yeah, th this one is it has nothing to do with altered carbon. It's oh, but from the same writer, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's from the same writer. Cool. Okay, cool. And finally, Seb, what are your current geeky pastimes? Uh, it's kind of a shame to uh, to assume it, but uh, I'm rewatching the entire seasons of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Love that so much. That is definitely. That definitely counts as geeky because we've been talking about it like two years now that we're going to do it. I know. I'm <laughs> ending season seven right now. So I'm almost Ooh, at the end of it. <laughs> nice. Money, so, we really surprise, do need to do this. <laughs> hey, surprisingly, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, surprisingly, it didn't get that old. Actually, I was I was like really afraid of it, but except the very bulky phones that they use time to time, the rest is quite okay. <laughs> Really, so it's not that cringe worth cringe worthy compared to like it didn't it aged well. As yeah, I would say so. But maybe I mean you have like one of the bad guys. It has like a floppy disk as a as a <laughs> as a memory slot, and it's kind <laughs> of weird. But aside from that, there is nothing. Um, yeah, I think it's it it aged quite well for for this kind of series. Um, like yeah, it's it, it was. Nice. Nice. Good to know. <laughs> cool. So that was rapid fire round number one. So <laughs> let's go over to Janice then. Hello. I'm trying to be ready. Rapid fire. <laughs> it, we called it rapid fire. It's not as rapid as we kind of want to be, but that's life, I guess. Um, so where are you from? Santa Fe, New Mexico. Does anybody know where that is? <laughs> yeah, I recently kind of knew knew where New Mexico or figured out where New Mexico is. So I'm like, also Breaking I, Bad was filmed in New Mexico. I've told people I'm from New Mexico. They go, "Oh, you don't look Mexican." I'm like, all right, there is a street <laughs> called New Mexico. I promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am. I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I actually I miss it. I couldn't wait to get out when I was young. I was like, oh, I got to go to a big city and, you know, spread my wings. Mm. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, man, that was really picturesque, you know, with the mountains. A lot of people don't know it's mm. at 7,000 feet elevation. So it's actually pretty cool, wow. pretty chill. It gets full-blown winters up, and snow. And I grew up skiing as a kid. And so it's 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 a surprising city for sure. Nice. <laughs> um, what are your preferred pronouns? She, her. Cool. Um, when are you a geek since? So again, year, maybe a story of your first geek experience. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> I would say that my, I, I would say that my, when I felt like I really jumped into the industry as, as a whole for video games was probably 2002, because like Seb, I grew up playing outside. That was always my <laughs> parents like, go outside, go outside. And I grew up with a lot of siblings and they always wanted us out of the house for some reason. Why is that? What well, parents, why did you want us outside? Especially in a shutdown, everybody can relate to this, right? <laughs> uh, um, but in LA, I don't have a yard to uh, mm. Oh, tear. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I would say for sure in 2002, um, when I was in college, uh, my roommates were playing uh, an online game. And I kept asking, hey, let's go to the movies. Let's go. Like, I wanted to go do something. And they were like, no, no, no. We're, we're playing a video game right now. We can't, we can't, we can't. And I kept saying, why? Just hit pause. And they were like, <laughs> we can't hit pause. It's an online game. I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you can't hit pause? And, and so that was my kind of first foray into um, 
online games, and that happened to be a little game called Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy XI, actually. So I cut my teeth on Final Fantasy XI, and I never went back. I absolutely, I had an incredible experience just realizing how immersive, you know, an online game can be with the world and the characters and the story. I mean, to this day, I think about Lion in Final Fantasy XI and how her, she was so empowering and such a cool character. And so, I don't know, it just, she, she was very alluring. And I still, to this day, picture the cutscenes in Final Fantasy XI mm. with her in it. And I just, I get chills. So it, it, that's definitely my first, but I mean, before that I played a little bit of Donkey Kong with my brother and, you know, things <laughs> like that. But that was like when I really got into it and I became a hardcore gamer. <laughs> we said it with pride here. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. All right. There's no need to be ashamed to be a hardcore gamer. Not at all. <laughs> yes. I'm at home. Yeah. You are. Um, what are your biggest, uh, biggest Biggest geeky influences or biggest influences in general? So books, movies, TV shows, teachers, games, or whatever. Probably Lord of the Rings. Probably for sure. That's a huge one yeah, for that's me. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just, again, I, f- I remember just feeling the moment of being overwhelmed with the possibility of, of imagination and depth and where you could go with the bonding of characters and feeling like you're right there and how much I really want to go to New Zealand now. And I want to see, I want to like live that, breathe in the (laughs) New Zealand. (laughs) Um, But I, yeah, for sure. It's huge. Um, As far as books that really launched me into committing to be a writer, I would say China Meville. And mm-hmm. Seb actually didn't know that I put in a little Easter egg about that. A little ship. Aria in the Secret of Seasons. I really wanted to kind of pay my, you know, thank thankfulness to, to China <laughs> Meville because he's probably my favorite author. And yeah, so I that that's a big one for sure. And um I don't know. I think I answered the question right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, been, I've been on so many, you know, book conventions before the shutdowns. I've, I've, I've led a lot of panels. I've been a speaker and I tell Seb every time, even though I've got 500 plus under my belt, I can't, you know, those butterflies and you forget what you're yeah. going to say. <laughs> also, we're, we're super like, whatever comes out is the thing that you want to say. And if you I don't love it, like, that that that's what you need to say in them. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your current geeky pastimes? All right, let's see. Let's see. What am I doing lately? I'm doing a lot of writing. Uh, a lot of writing. I'm under a lot of deadlines. So uh, the word pastime seems foreign to me right now. I just can't <laughs> remember when I got to dive into a novel and just read for me. But I do. I do read normally. I do read a lot of books. I before before things started really heating up this summer, as far as work goes, I was reading every night. I would read at least half hour of a of a novel or or make sure I do that. Um, I'm I'm pretty behind on all the big TV shows and and movies that everybody's mm. like, "Well, you haven't seen that? Oh my gosh, you're terrible!" But I'm like, "Hey, well." I'm working away. I'm a workaholic. That's what I do. Um, I'm really into, I really like NASA, as you can see. I love reading about everything SpaceX and Tesla and Elon Musk and NASA. I absolutely, that. I love geeking out about that stuff. Oh, that's great. What did you think about the news that there is water on the moon now? I mean, I was so excited. You should have seen <laughs> I haven't me heard about that. that. Seb, I was like, when was that? Like two, two days ago, yeah, something like that. Oh, 
I haven't yeah. seen that. Uh, Did I, they announce or... something? They announced that there will be big news coming out like a few days. <laughs> five like, days. Yeah. And then and then suddenly they let us know that they found water on the moon. And just reading about how like the water molecules can be trapped and uh, preserved, and then like it was it was fascinating. What I've heard is that they wanted to deploy a four G network on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> All the great things I thought they're gonna take us there. <laughs> no, 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 no. But actually, that's the goal. It's to have like a four G network. So, for example, they can send rover on the on the moon and have like always connection and not lose a connection of the thing. Yeah, that makes um, sense. But I don't remember when was that that I've read that. It's like a few days ago that I've seen that. You know, I was really disappointed. Actually, I was spending time over the weekend with my high school best friend. I haven't seen her in two years, and she's an astrophysicist. Like she works for one of Canada's leading um, astrophysics and space explorations um places and everything and i was like so steph what is the news about the moon and she was like what are you talking about and i was like what kind of astrophysicist are you you don't even know <laughs> she had no idea there was gonna be an announcement i was like i've never been more disappointed in my life <laughs> but nasa they tend to do that recently it's like oh we have a big news and then it's like oh there is space in space Okay. <laughs> also because i thought they actually already found something like this like it, it wasn't super news because i had the feeling like they already had assumptions that there was some there is something like that so i'm like that was the news <laughs> something super spectacular like we never were on the moon kind of thing or something <laughs> But the exciting thing was the the launch of uh, SpaceX on the, during the summer. That was super mm. exciting. That was really mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. I was watching on pins and needles. Me too. Me too. I was very <laughs> excited. Same. I think it was. I don't remember. It was so late in the evening. I think it probably already <laughs> went to bed or something. <laughs> the historical moment again. But for me, it's you still March. So <laughs> cool. That was a um, rapid fire round. <laughs> so yeah, half rapid. High five, Steph. We did it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the geeky thing we're talking about today? Ari. <laughs> Ari. Oh, it was so awesome watching you stream it. Thank you so much. I'm so excited like to hear your commentary and like the things that you were discovering. And I I how shit that was playing it. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> well, I'm glad somebody said it on a lot of people, a lot of nerves. <laughs> Seb, I tell I tell you all the time, but I don't get to tell, you know, because I'm not there with Seb with the team, but I, I just want to tell the team so much. I love her animations. I love the way she balances on the elevator. I love the way she opens a chest. I love the way she opens a, a lever. You know, she's like holding on it. I love it. I think it's adorable. <laughs> the elevator, that made me laugh as well. It was so funny. Well, like, so like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what the fuck? That was so good. It immediately captured me. When 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 I was first asked to be brought on the team, I just looking at the screenshots, looking at the cutscenes they had, you know, rocking and rolling, and the design of the characters, I was I was pulled in immediately. <laughs> yeah, I really it's loved it a lot. Sorry, Sam, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go go go. <laughs> um, I've I loved it a lot. I like 
as soon as we, as soon as I got it, I was like, I'm going to play this. And like, I just couldn't stop. I was like, every single night I was sinking in for five hours. Like just, I loved everything about the game. And except for the one time I got super lost. And like, that was <laughs> like, other than that. And, and that was my own stupidity. It wasn't anything to do with the game. I was just like, I can't find this anywhere. I'm going to go everywhere. And it's not the right spot. Two hours later, I'm like, what if it's back here? Yep. It's in the spot I started tonight. Well, when I was trying to review, I was trying to review a quest that Seven and I were writing, and I could not get to the water. I could not find the whale for the life of me. The in the the in the in the um the summer golem, and I, even with the god powers, like in the build, you know, being able to like fly around, I'm like, Seb, where is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's totally. basically where I got stumped. It was like destroying that crystal that's right beside the whale, and I was like. I just left and went all around everywhere. Like I literally went everywhere. And I was like, where is this crystal? Like, I'm just, I don't know where it is. I give up. I, I give up. I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask the whale where this, where the crystal is. And I walked in and two hours later and I was like, it's right there. Yep. <laughs> it's right there. I've seen, I've seen a streamer doing the exact same thing also. I was like, oh, let's break some crystals. And then the guy just like passed in front of the thing. I was like, oh boy, it's going to look for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I, was, um, I mean, that's good to know when there is a whale and look, look next to the whale when it happens because I'd probably whale. be stuck here like for four hours where I was <laughs> stuck there for two or something. Yeah. Considering I'm. Well, yeah, it's like taking uh, because they're gigantic and it, it takes like a third of the screen during the dialogues and so on. So it's hard not to see it, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, <laughs> our friend Frasley, who's in chat, is uh, was streaming this as well. They actually finished it last night. Um, but the first night that they were playing, I was in chat, and they just left the crystal right beside the whale as well. They left, and I was like. I'm going to be here. They're not going to be able to find this. So I was like, do you need some help? <laughs> do you need some help? I can save you two hours. I know where the crystal is. I can help you. <laughs> that whale uh, sequence, I Seb just recently sent me a tweet that someone, a player had, it was, I don't know what language it was in, but I used Google. It's Spanish. It was in Spanish. <laughs> and it was about like how the player really, it like pulled on the heartstrings and it was, you know, it was really emotional for the player. And that's completely how we felt creating it. Like I remember Steph mm -hmm. telling me his vision of wanting this particular, you know, part of the game to be heartfelt and to be something that, you know, we can really explore the feeling of loneliness and the feeling of isolation and how that can feel, especially, I mean, how we all really feel that way around the world in this um, craziness right now of 2020. And it was really surreal because it's the first time as a game developer that I was able to write to that particular part of the game while listening to the composed music from Marcus Hedges that said was like, hey, let me send you this. This is for that exact thing that you're nice. writing for. And it actually... It, I it it was perfect because the, the the music swells and just it's very emotional anyway and then pairing that with the drafts that I was sending Seb and we were working back and forth with you know editing and tweaking the lines and and especially in video games it's hard with the you know limited amount of space that you have to write to try to hit the beats of creating you 
walking the player through, you know, an emotional storyline in a very limited amount of time, it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to be able to do that because normally, you know, you're sent to like an assignment as a writer and you write to it and you, you'll see it later, like Mm -hmm. during final review, but to be able to kind of write to it, being able to see the screenshots and hear the music, it really helped me and it inspired me, like leaves and bounds. So Seb, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Marcus Hedges, thank you. <laughs> but that quest was very late in development, actually, uh, because we were supposed to have like more boss, uh, but I was not very uh, satisfied with the boss we were getting there, and um, the the producer on the on the project was like, yeah, uh, th- those those boss, we have to find a solution. Like we we cannot uh, we cannot put those in games. I was like, hmm. Maybe we can simply replace them by a mission instead of just having a full boss in there. And, and then I was like, yeah, I might have an idea. Uh, and so I think I talked to my team about the idea. They were all pissed uh, because uh, we were <laughs> remove one boss, you know. Uh, but then uh, Janice was like super happy about it because for her it was more story. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think... Yeah, the the balance of the boss for for the kind of game we've done is quite okay because in total there is like about I don't know seven or eight different boss. Uh, well, three or four of them are really like uh, boss battles. Like you you will feel like it is boss battle, but in general those two interludes of the of the things are quite uh, quite fun. Also, Janice had like a, a lot of fun on lying around uh, with uh, with some of the. the some of the texts you so you have like texts where they say oh uh this one is going to eat you and then Ari arrive in front of the boss is like are you supposed to eat me you're not eating me what's going on (laughs) (laughs) for sure for sure yeah having that uh, the the back and forth like having the collective kind of be mistaken and Ari's like wait a second I was I was told this was going to be a little different I like that I like that surprise effect that made me laugh a lot because like the the guardians were like you know they're all going to they're all going to try to beat you or eat you or they're going to be really mean to you and try to kill you and then he was just like nah <laughs> 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 I, I really wanted to have something very emotional. Um, I, I had that idea of like the um, the whale that communicate by the sound, you know. And uh, this one was the last one of his species, so it was basically the last one hearing the sound. So bit by bit, he was hearing his friend disappearing. I mean, he was not seeing his friend disappearing. He was just not hearing them anymore up to the point that it was the only one and that's the whole story about it and i think it was uh that's i I, we try to make something emotional in the middle of all the goofiness of the of the game yeah yeah and to feel that way where you have this pod this you know this family that you can no longer see and the 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 music having the whale sounds was perfect it made me made me tear up (laughs) (laughs) when i was playing with it playing it I don't think it's that obvious in the game the the whale sound. You're, you you might be right, yeah, because I was listening to it on my headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I that was that's probably my that was probably my favorite favorite thing to write. <laughs> I always for me it was great. yeah go, go ahead. ahead. No, go yeah, ahead. For, for me it was the the thing with the hyena. Oh, at the gate. Oh yeah, that that's that's always get me. Amanda, <laughs> what did you think that moment when you were playing it and Ari got to the gate and was mistaken for a hyena? I was laughing so hard. Money, have you gotten that? I was yet? at the. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. at the stream like when I got to the. Uh, yeah, yeah. I recall yeah, that. It was just like 
I think she's a hyena. She doesn't look like a hyena. <laughs> I was killing myself this. laughing. I, I didn't. I, I didn't saw that part of uh, that Janice did uh, because she was working uh, with another Marcus. We had like two Marcus in the team, um, and uh, they were working together. And they didn't tell me that. And I don't know because usually I was not really playing the game. I was like always up on, up off, uh, wherever I needed to fix or create stuff. And <laughs> this time I, I, I was like supposed to pass by, and I, I read that dialogue. I was like, "What the fuck is that? This is so fun!" <laughs> Uh, uh, and yeah that's uh that's my favorite dialogue <laughs> it's great when you can still get surprises even though you're kind of yeah. like running the show and you're like what the fuck did my people just create there it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how long after you wrote it i noticed it like at least uh, at least a good two weeks for sure it was a lot on everybody's plate i mean the whole team i can't you know, go brag enough about because the whole team very hardworking. We're always messaging each other, syncing, aligning, keeping it with updates and changes. And it was, it was a lot of work. And I'm really proud of how much you know the team was able to produce with such a limited, you know, limited budget, limited resources, limited amount of people. I mean, uh-huh. it was such a small team, and to execute that kind of a game, it was, it's, it's, it's really awesome. And it, 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 we have more. Like seven, I, I mean, we have pages and pages of. Lore oh god, that yeah. For the world and <laughs> backstories for the characters, and I mean, when he told me the vision of having this, you know, Japanese influence in Yule and in Ari's family, I really latched onto that and wanted to emphasize his vision. That was like, let's focus on the bond that you can have with family, and that you can you can empower each other and rely on each other yet still find yourself and evolve as your own person as Ari does she steps out of her comfort zone goes against her mother's wishes and it it I love that moment that Seb describes that the player is going to feel when you're sneaking out of Yule as Ari and you're like, oh, I did it. I got past the guards. You're on your way. You're exploring. You're doing your power. You're you're kind of, and then all of a sudden you round the corner. It's like, boom, there's mom. (laughs) Uh Oh, she let her go. And that was also a super great moment. Like she was like, I accept that what you want to do is important to you. And I might not agree with you, but, but go on kid and explore what you need to explore and that's just a bigger power like a bigger trust that 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 she gave her in that moment than protection could ever give a kid in that for sure for sure and you know if 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 players are able to take the extra time and pursue the equinox letters you'll find more about that storyline and ari discovers more about her own family that you know she never before imagined and Hopefully they're not too hard to get, Seb. Seb, they, they're pretty challenging, right? So, players, all I can well, do is thank you as the writer. I'm biased, but please read all the letters. Please get all the letters. I'm working <laughs> that on was it. The only way that we could fit in, because again, you know, you try as a developer, you try to fit in as much as you can and try to find little ways to do that. And I remember back in the day, Seb and I were like, "All right, we have all this awesome lore. How are we going to get into the game? How are we going to get it but in the game?" I, I remember those letters. Originally, it was just the story of Agamemnon and uh, and the witch, and there was only that. And then, for some reason, we were like, "How oh, are we gonna give away uh, some other stories, like the stories of the story of Brain, the story of Crocus, and so on?" Uh, and I don't know how we ended up by having that displayed in the letters, uh, but. <laughs> 
No, I, I mean, <laughs> how I, I did don't it know. end up in letters? <laughs> but it's. It's kind of like the the, dis- the discussion we had, uh, Janice and I, uh, for like a whole night, and suddenly we have like kind of like we're thinking the same thing at the same moment, and we're like, let's put that, and we're like, oh yeah, hell yeah, let's do it, and I think that's how it ended up in there. <laughs> right? Nice. Yeah, it, it's it's very it was it was it was a challenge because we we had to thread breadcrumbs through the main quest storyline of the guardians so if you talk to every guardian each time they're all going to kind of breadcrumb you lore bits and then we had to tie that into the collective and what they're saying about the mm-hmm. landmark tablets or about the golems and the engineer this mysterious engineer over the golems and then you got to thread that into the letters and as you get each letter if you read through those you become more and more invested in like Seb said in these characters that you will not know anything about unless you can tie all these things together. And it, it was, it, we have, we have so much more that we want to put in RE2 or <laughs> RE TV show because it really was, it, it was like a fantasy world, but rooted in reality where we had, you know, all of these seasons, we wanted to really emphasize Seb's vision of, of showing how you can wield fall and summer and winter and spring and change the dynamic of your environment. And, and, and as you're going around each zone, you can, discover the same area but with a completely different look and I, I that mechanic is so cool and it's so empowering to change it to winter and see all the ice forming or, mm-hmm. or what have you so I had to go I had to go back and think okay how did these you know stones come about these powers come about and and you have to kind of you know go way back and then work your way up to the present timeline of the game and then that's exactly what I did and then would I'd bet it with Seb and he would you know would inspire me with more ideas and <laughs> we came up with you know how to tie in this discoverer of these you know ancient this ancient crater which we we ended up you know naming the witch of the mountains and having all of this lore of skepticism and fear and what happened with that and how, you know, there was a plot to cover some things up and I don't want to do too many spoilers, but you know, the (laughs) steps that, you know, each character took um, to ensure their own legend or survival, if you will. Mm-hmm. One of the topic was also uh, the the legends and uh, how it go through time. Basically, uh, if you have uh, a very very idiotic story that is uh, that that is said like a few thousand years ago, and then suddenly over the years it get changed because people are talking about it. They are not writing. They are not. They are just like exchanging those uh, those information and over time it changed and uh, I, I don't think it's very visible in the game that part but uh, in the end it's like you have like a lot of written stuff in the game that are contradicting each other uh, and it's made uh, for that mm. I mean, it's just like real life. And again, I yeah. love that. I love like realizing that, you know, things that were written thousands of years ago can be translated over time and misunderstood or, you know, used to someone's own advantage to kind of, you know, propagate their own legacy or what have you. And so mm-hmm. I love that idea that as you're going through R, you're going to get immersed in fantasy and be able to like dabble in pe- playing with your powers. But at the same time, something might strike you that goes, Oh, I, I I learned something like that in school, or let me look that up. That reminds me of this city. I mean, Seb designed Seb and the team designed things based on things in Belgium, and, and mm. so it's like cool that you can be playing the game, but then be like, let me, let me Google this. <laughs> but all the all the tablets in the game are basically lies. All of them in the game. 
Spoiler, sorry everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't but pick yeah, up on I that, mean, so that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 Algernon the Wise, the creator of the tablets, he, if you go back, and again, when you get through all the letters, that'll tie in together where you'll realize the motivations of why these things were erected and what was the plan and, and, and the legendary warrior and the evil mage and all of these little breadcrumbs that tie together that for, for my gamers that are also novel readers and love getting all the nit gritty of, of that. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm really proud of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amanda is the completionist among us. <laughs> I really am. I really am. There's like a couple of puzzles in here as well that I just cannot figure out. And I'm like, I'm not going to hundred percent this game. And this is really going to bother me. <laughs> Um, one thing I actually really loved, and it's so silly, but also it's so like appealing to the teenage girl in me. And it was the posters in Ari's room of like Prince Crocus, <laughs> like Prince Crocus loves you and like all this stuff. And I'm like, that's totally like out of Team Bop or something. Um, and I just, I love that, that he, he was, he's a total like pop, like pop star, basically. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. It's really the way we we made him uh, that is like so full of himself and is <laughs> is the kind of guy uh, writing uh, uh, riding his uh, his palakin and like throwing poster of him in the street so people can pick it up and uh, you know it's uh, <laughs> it's like yeah he loves himself. <laughs> You did a good it, job with that because in the first bits did. that I saw that I was like, yeah, he, he kind of he kind of really he's got he's like really in him, isn't he? <laughs> But the whole idea was to make him a very obvious uh, character that people will hate. Uh, <laughs> so, but at the same time, uh, he have some kind of like a full uh, redemption arc in the in the game. Uh, I think that's the only character that you know uh, the days not the days born but when he won, uh, when he was born what happened you can also know what happened during uh, during the time he grew up what friend he had and also all kind of like uh, um, evolution story that's the most complete character we have in the game I think He's, he is really complex because we we tied in a very difficult uh, relationship with the king and queen, his parents, and what happened when the seasons reverse, and what he was thrust into. It's, it, it, if you can, if you, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I don't know how much I can give away because it'll, you know, spoil <laughs> the game. But. I mean, people are never assholes just because, like, hardly ever are people assholes just because they're born that they always experienced something that made them a bit weird or self-absorbed or whatever. So it's just great when that comes through through a video game as well because you then kind of see and can reflect on, reflect on that and it kind of opens your world a bit more as to, yeah, not everybody is born evil. And he's, even though you might not like him, he also has seen some shit. And, <laughs> and, I, and I love that moment of when you, when you realize what would I do in that position? Mm -hmm. So when you find out the turning point, of what when he had to make what decision mm. i love that moment as a writer to kind of infuse how would the player feel if they were put, mm. put there mm. well, one thing i'm not sure uh if it made it to the game or not is the no no but it's it's a part where you know uh, the parents of crocus leave the castle and leave him with the situation of the mind to deal with it there's a there in the letters in the it, letters are you sure there's a reference to it 
Yeah, because I mean, for for us, it's super clear for for you and I, uh, Janice. But for other people, it might not be that clear because the whole mind situation. It was actually the parents that were de dealing with that, and when they they left, they just like leave Crocus deal with it, and it was like, yeah, I'm not gonna give that away because otherwise they're gonna think it's me. So right, right. <laughs> We'll have so, to see, Bonnie, when you're done with the game. Let us know. Read all yeah. the letters. <laughs> Read all the letters. Okay. <laughs> Those letters, they were super to be just... to tell me. <laughs> they ended up being like the crux, the linchpin of the story, but they're really hard to get. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was supposed to be just, I, I think it was supposed to be eight or nine of them, I rem if I remember correctly. We had to add a few. Yeah, and we got so excited about it <laughs> that, that we ended up by putting so much of them. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to put that in a game. <laughs> like, All right, I got to do another challenge, another letter. <laughs> Janice! <laughs> That's um, my, two, my two other favorite characters are Ronan and uh, Dagden. They, every time uh, there was interactions with those two characters, I was like peeing myself laughing. Um, just like <laughs> Ronan's extravagant stories. And like, I'm like, are they true? Is he just full of shit the whole time? Like, I don't know. And <laughs> that's what we want. <laughs> and exactly. I love it so much. And Monica, I'm so excited for you to like see, like as you go through all the, all, and meet Ronan and all of his different iterations, which, cause he's everywhere. And you're like, What's he doing here? Is this story real? Like, what's <laughs> this one mean? <laughs> but sorry. It was really fun to write. And Seb and I wrote him very closely because we have some real life uh, Easter eggs about Seb's life uh, from Ronan. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not, uh, it's not the statue. <laughs> it's not the statue. <laughs> oh, it was so cool. Was so for, cool. For that, that one was like, when, uh, when Bruce, the producer, read it, it was like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, why is he talking about a leaf? I was like, uh, just Google uh, Greek statue and you'll see. <laughs> and he looked at it and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> is that allowed in game? Oh, we're going to leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's like SpongeBob. You got humor for the kids. You got humor that for is, the adults. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. Like for most, sure. of the, most of the kids stuff has like, I mean, besides tabs, I guess, but, but most of like, Kids' things are often have this subtle innuendo that adults understand, but then kids won't. So that yeah, like the as first well. time I saw Shrek, my mouth dropped because I there were so many adult jokes in there that I was like mind blown that you know yeah. that was like, the first time that I saw a, you know something that really catered to both kids mm. and adults in that way, mm. and it was. But but back to what you said, Amanda, about Dagden too. He he was the character that really evolved and that really went from you know just kind of having you know well really very little backstory to Seb and I like giving him such an arc where he you know finally admits to struggling with his own you know problems with you know Alzheimer's or or you know just you know losing his memory in a way that frustrates him, but he wants to cover it up that whole time. And it was, he, he was a character that kept his essence, but that we developed and gave him also a unique relationship of, of, of realizing what Ari could do and advocating for her, even though she's not a guardian's apprentice and she's not even supposed to be there. It was a really cool way that he kept that fun loving and, and spirited, you know, comedy, but yet when in the moments that really mattered, he was there to say, Oh, Bryn, you know, screw tradition. She obviously is meant to be here. She has her father's crystal. She's mm. wielding it. And, and then opening up to her as you go through the main quest guardian storyline, each of the guardians, 
open up to Ari and divulge a little bit about their past and a little bit about their history and why they are the way they are, even with 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 Lucktan. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun because with Dagdan, sometimes like in the first cutscene where you meet him, it's like, oh, uh, I planned it all along. My crystal is at home, but basically, it's like, indeed, he's having Alzheimer and he's just forgot it, and he's just saying like, yeah, I I, I thought about it. It's it's like it was smart to leave it home. I'm not even sure it's like that obvious that he's like uh, losing his memory in the end. It's a tiny, it's again, I mean, you have to kind of pick up on Mm -hmm. the little nuances because as you're at the very end of the quest line with Dagdan talking to Ari, he, he says, you know, he, he, he admits it, but in his way, like, you know, trying to hide his vulnerability, but also alluding to it. And she lets him off the hook by saying, Oh, Dang, Dan, we all make mistakes. Like, she's not going to call him out either because she can tell. Have you perceived that in the game, Amanda, that uh, he was actually having a very high trouble of Alzheimer, basically? I I did. Um, It wasn't like, it wasn't super obvious, like you're saying, but I think, like, looking back now, especially and reliving the conversations that, like, Ari had with him, I can definitely see it. Um, But it was the part, you know, leaving the crystal in, in his own palace. And I was like, that. I mean, like, he's totally covering that up, like you say, but I can, I was suspicious, like, what what it was about, really. I was like, what's going on here? Um, and I love that that's included. Yeah. And, and that moment when he goes, when she's like, are you just repeating what I'm saying? And, and like, when he repeats uh, all the instructions that she's, like, catching him up on, he's like, okay, well, now that you're caught up, let's let's move on to helping yeah. you with this. The the thing with the crystal where uh, where you bring him some crystal and he's like saying like oh but those are mine I even wrote my name on it and Ari's like there's no name on that it's like oh you uncarved my name (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was also um, have you guys seen the Emperor's New Groove Um, I was getting major there's like there's a character in that like really minor character and he goes. um, don't throw off the groove um, like about Cusco. Um, it's like this really old, old man. And I was getting major like comparison vibes there um, with Dagden and that guy. I was like, this is perfect. That's so cool. Cause I do, I have seen that movie. I do like it. I feel like it's such an underground like gem that a lot of people just kind of like brush off, but it's actually really good. And I agree. Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to think of you and I'm going to look for the Dagden lookalike. <laughs> yes, do it, do it. Cause he's brilliant. <laughs> That's so cool. I love talking, Ari. I love that the that that you picked up on those things. Yeah, it's easily it's one of the most fun, or it, it is the most fun I've had playing a game in a very long time. Um, and like as a player, I can see and totally feel how much love everybody has put into the game. And like, and it's not like yes, it's the writing because I'm a writer as well, and like I feel the writing, but it's also like ha- be having the ability to change seasons, like all in the same spot. And I'm just thinking like creating a game that you can change a skin, like on the, like with a click of a button and you go from spring to summer to winter to fall and all at once that like, that must've been incredibly difficult for, you know, the, the, the developers to, to actually do, because I mean, I'm nowhere near a developer, but I'm like, how, like I couldn't even make a game with one skin and they've got to make a game with four. <laughs> mm. Well, that's that was indeed quite challenging, and that's why also, for instance, on a Nintendo Switch, the game is not looking as good as it's supposed to be, or even on the older console like the ba- the base uh, PS4 or the base Xbox One. Uh, those are older console, and indeed the the. Um, 
people are used to see games right now where everything is baked. Uh, so for example, the light, it's already pre-baked and so on. So you already have the shadow and it costs nothing uh, for for rendering. But on our side, we could not bake any lights because if you if you register ahead the the way the light is supposed to react if you put for example snow on grass the light, the the green of the of the grass will bleed on the snow and it would look absolutely awful and so uh, for that we were not able we were always using real time lighting and real time lighting is extremely extremely expensive and that's why also for for most part of the game you have almost no light on the, on Nintendo Switch for instance that is super fascinating. It is. But yeah, I, maybe maybe for the next uh, chapter we might look on different engine than Unity and being able to to do something better than that. <laughs> well, from a player's perspective, I just want to say like congratulations because it feels amazing when you're doing it, and like it's just a really wonderful experience as a player being able to control the seasons and like just the work that goes into it i'm sure like you say i mean it's just <laughs> mind-blowing <laughs> I, I think what we've really like noticed between you is that you had a super amazing exchange as well to make like whatever is the technical side of the game super in sync with what is the story of the game and i don't know if that's something that is generally something that happens when when people develop one but it seems like very special like the bond between you two especially as well <laughs> so 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 that the which is just can only just be positive for, for the entire game situation and even if it costs you like more work because let's add this part of the story and let's at this part of the story but it's just like this makes it this more wholesome thing even more because they're just so synced and so so intertwined with each other which then just makes it an even better game i i think but i think because we had a very very small team it was also easier to mm. uh to to have that bound um like i was uh, i was like doing some uh, some accountancy recently and uh, in total the amount of people during the old the, the entire development where it was like 4.4 for instance, I mean, if you what? put like all the, yeah, yeah, if you if you put all the people that work during the development time, and uh, you just like count the amount of months that were that were spent during the development time, it's yeah. like fifty two months, I think, in uh, in total. And uh, we had like up to ten person working on the project. Yeah. But if you like uh, scramble everything by just doing like basic math you end up by having 4.4 person during the entire development wow so yeah it's it's not much uh but at the same time uh we we were able to make it it was hard but we did it <laughs> and, and that's why i i try to if, if i have fans or players you know reaching out being like oh well there's this bug or oh this is glitching or i can't see this or i'm getting stuck i try to emphasize that you know as much as we you know, want to make, you know, the game perfect, like right from the get go, when you're working with such a small team, it's it, to, to try to cover all the bases. It's, it's, it's yeah. a lot of work. And, and, and thank goodness that Seb was able to like catch <laughs> 3000 bugs. And he was, I mean, like he, like the, the amount of overtime that everyone did. Mm -hmm. I mean, even, even, you know, even like you were saying, you, I love that you pointed out Monty that like, if you have to put in more work, it's worth it because you're thinking of the whole mm. project as a whole. And I remember going through like just the final narrative review and 
there were moments where I was like, oh, this cutscene cut off. Like, it's, we're not getting the rest of the story. And I would add it to the note. And I mean, I like I spent the entire weekend, not because I had to, not because like someone was forcing me to crunch. And, you know, there's all, a lot of negative headlines. It's like video game industry forces everyone to, <laughs> to work. And, and honestly, like in my experience, I, I have seen us jump into overtime on our own initiative because we're so excited about the project it's not because but the problem is that you know negative news gets the clicks and they you know that it drums up the drama but in actuality if you talk to me for example i'd be like no i worked all weekend because i was so excited to to, to bring the story to the player and i i wanted to just try on my end to do what I could, even though I wasn't asked to required to. Yeah. And, and so I'd love to throw it out there for, for my team, for my team. I didn't wanted them to make overtime. So actually I think like very few of them did few hours of overtime, but the, uh, over the entire project they, they, they did their own, their, their regular time. Uh, it was only me that was uh, taking all the overtime uh, for, for them actually. So I ended mm -hmm. up having uh, 160 hours of uh, work per week. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I would message him and be like, "There's no way he's asleep. I know he's asleep." But he'd be like, "Well, Seb, it's 5 a.m. You're still awake. I'm glad you're still awake because you're answering my questions." But I'm also so badly yeah. sleeping. I, I did that only for three weeks. So the the rest of the time was working every day and uh, like regular wor uh, working hours or a bit more, but it was like really during the confinement when it was like uh, when I didn't have to go to the office it was easy. I was just like uh, like crawling out of the bed and like going to my desk, work, and go back in the bed, and that was my whole oh, thing wow. for three weeks. <laughs> Wow. But yeah, at the same time, Ari is kind of a game that leads to have a lot of issue in the game. Because if if you look, for example, the last Final Fantasy VII, you cannot even jump. So automatically, if you can't jump, if you cannot go outside the path, you're not going to have any bugs. Uh, mm. But in Ari, we are kind of like hiding stuff in unexpected places. Uh, we are like putting yeah stuff all around and that leads to have people that will try to go above the mountains or try to just like <laughs> I did not try that <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you're talking about totally not like definitely that definitely wasn't me no no <laughs> That's, that's something that will lead automatically to have uh, issues or like mm -hmm. having people's like, what's going to happen if I put myself under the snow and I remove the bubble and then I'm like in the snow or in the ice. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's typical. The thing that will like in very few percent of the case uh, end up by having bugs. Yeah. But in the end, yeah, if you allow those things, you also have to face that you're going to have bugs. I think it's really sad. I mean, and I think that's somehow generational or our culture or whatever, or society at the moment that we cannot look at something and see that it is a great work and not get mad about small things that might not be perfect about it. Because you, you're a small team. You've done an amazing job with the game already. And it's different than having like, I don't know, a blizzard, like huge company with, I don't know how many employees who can work on the smallest, tiniest bits and pieces of things um, for forever and have all of the money in the world, almost. Um, but, 
Go ahead. I, I had some I had some journalists that actually told me like you know uh, we cannot say those kind of things uh, for Bethesda game for instance. But as you are just an indie game and there is no repercussion of us telling that the game is like buggy as hell, uh, it's okay. We can go and we can even like get revenge for all the other games that are fully bugged. Um, what? Yeah. We, I had like journalists telling me that because they didn't have any, uh, because they know, for instance, if they say a bad thing about a Bethesda game, for instance, uh, they will never ever have any other games. Uh, I mean, the PR agency or anything will not give them any more the games. So they are forced to say that uh, those games are okay. They are not the best, but they are okay. Uh, but for us, uh, if they say anything bad, there is absolutely no repercussion on this. Oh, God. It's... <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean, the game had bug, but I think we also paid for the other game that had bug. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And also, That's I think pretty- bugs just sometimes happen. As you mentioned, you have such a complex situation going on. You have, like, all the different seasons that change within a second, and they can go everywhere. And, and that's just, if you put, like, your common sense into it then there's then then you can be like even as a player you can be like well that didn't work right now but maybe it works with a with a bug fix soon and 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 be more casual about it and not get super angry and super mad and even when you're a journalist and stuff like that i think those are all things that need to be considered and not always just tearing Mm -hmm. something down just because it's not perfect straight out of the box basically i I think players were way way more gentle with it and they had absolutely i wouldn't say they had no issue with the bug but it was quite okay Mm -hmm. however i had like players coming to me saying like oh um uh, i'd like to take the the game but uh, i've read everywhere that there is bugs uh, so what should i do i was like well uh, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to take the, the the game right now because indeed there is bugs. But if you can live with it, just take it. Or, or otherwise, like watch a video of the of the game, watch streamers to see where it goes, and yeah, eventually you can take the game. But yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy 14 was a shit show when it came out, wasn't it? And people still played it. Final Fantasy 14. And now oh, yeah, yeah. it's totally hailed. Yeah. as like amazing. And it was the same with Elder Scrolls Online. There was a lot of issues when it first came out, and now it's Mm -hmm. fantastic. Like it's just Final Fantasy XV was also a disaster. Mm. uh... There's a there's a part in the game, Seb, that I really like when you guys were talking about like just what everything that's going on with the season change, and it's it's that it's the one where the the windmill is like going around, and Mm. as you have the seasons through the winter sphere, it reveals the icicles. And you have to like time it just right to jump up there. Like I've not not even just myself, but other players are like, I love that. I love the hidden and the reveal and the way you have to time it and jump up there. As a writer, I really want to add to like more like the the girl that's up there. She just still doesn't have a line, so we need to fix that. I gotta put in the bug report. We gotta reward the player somehow. But she's saying hello. Come on. <laughs> we need more. Well, basically, I think it's we had. We had translation issues uh, and we yeah. had to remove some of the lines uh, because like the whole translation was a, was a, a disaster, basically. Yeah. And uh, for for having like all the, the thing in Chinese or in Japanese or other language, even for instance in French, I'm French and I, some of the things I could not even read it because <laughs> it didn't make any sense. 
And I was like, who the hell worked on those translations? They are so bad. <laughs> and yeah, the, 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 we had the entire team. That, I mean, a part of the team uh, is speaking French. The other part is speaking Dutch. So in general, we are speaking English at the, at mm. the office. Uh, but the... Uh, it was actually the girls of the team that actually did the entire translation in French because it was bad. Wow. And, 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 and we, you know, it was not like Seb's team was able to do that for every language. And so I do remember yeah. now that a lot of the quests were like, a lot of the lines we had were cut or had to be narrow. Like the, the localization process was really challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the localization team that worked on it, uh, what well, I don't even know what's the name of it. Uh, I should ask Bruce actually not to work with them anymore. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> and, uh, those teams, they blame the COVID on it. It's like oh it's because we have covid we can and we're like okay well whatever <laughs> and it's so expensive that the fact yeah. that so much of your budget has to go to localization if they don't do a good job translating it and take the time to take a, a pun a joke something that you can't just translate verbatim otherwise mm-hmm. in english we're going to understand it but in spanish they're going to be like we don't understand that mm. you know very english joke so they have to take the time to pause and figure out a similar joke in their own they're language not- and that doesn't happen it's like, what am I paying yeah. for? Yeah, I, I'm paying for uh, uh, making it work for everyone, and you don't exactly. read like sometimes in series just- when you watch series around or The Simpsons. Sometimes they translated the refrigerator joke into German, and it was really weird because that didn't work because <laughs> it's not a radiator and a, and a, or or something like that. So it was super weird, and it needs to work. Like you, they need to. Be able to understand the joke and not literally translate every word because that often just doesn't work in every language. Yeah, the, the amount of things that uh, Janice put in some uh, in some of the dialogues uh, is. I, I, every time that she was writing the things, I was like, Janice, do you know that uh, people are going to translate that afterwards? <laughs> yeah. the, the tree golem, he's all puns. He's all jokes. Oh, God, yeah. Like, it's really funny. I mean, it, I, it's funny to me in English, obviously, but it, you can't translate it verbatim mm. or it's just going to be a disaster. Yeah. She's like, this dialogue has me antsy. Laughing <laughs> 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 so hard. <laughs> but oh localization yeah but yeah in french i know that uh that my team they worked really hard to get all the puns but some of them they didn't even realize it was a pun so mm. <laughs> it got lost in translation basically yeah i can see that <laughs> um so i really want to know like the character of ari did you set out to make a feminist role model or did it just kind of happen naturally uh it was kind in the middle um so we we had a lot of discussion for instance like for for the the scene where Ari cut his uh, her hair and like go um and go outside and so on and it was like yeah, it's kind of a weird thing because in the end she has to look like a boy to go uh, to be uh, a hero or something like that, which is kind of negative. Women should not have to look like a boy to to do that. And so we're like, one thing that I wanted is to have like a gender neutral. Uh, character on the on the box of the game. I didn't want it to have somebody that will pick up the game because it's a girl or because it's a boy. So I was like one of the things that was directing me for having like the, the short hair was actually to to aim that target. Um, however like we're like, yeah, that's gonna be hard for the, the haircutting. So one of the decisions we took also is that 
not, uh, it's more in the head of Ari where she's thinking we're gonna, uh, she's gonna cut the hair to look like. But in the end, if you notice, none of the NPC actually uh, take her for her brother, except mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Brin that is like completely out of this world because he was just <laughs> drugged the way before, uh, like few seconds before, that took her for uh, for Flynn. But aside from that, none of the other character took her for Flynn. So it's just her in her mind that think it's a good way of of like going outside uh acting as a boy that will make uh, make her be be a hero but it's not the case and she i took i took the idea that she grew up watching her father and her brother train i mean she watched her father mentor and train her brother and and tagged along and and saw that tradition where, where it's traditionally passed on from the father to the son and it's a very male dominated um position to be in it has been for thousands of years and when you read the letters all you gamers <laughs> you're gonna find out why Algernon the wise you know established that and and what his turning point for needing to secure or cover up or what have you the legacy the secrets the lies hint 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 spoiler spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> um and and um and so I, I wanted it to be like I wanted to work within the confines that we had already locked in the game and figure out how Ari would have gotten to that point. And like Seb said, she doesn't see it as negative or positive or anything. She just sees it as I've watched my brother do this. I, I can fill in for them. My father's in mourning. My brother is in, is missing. I will follow in his footsteps. Pants are the way to go. Like adventure <laughs> calls. And that's, that's, and in her mindset, it's like that Mulan moment where she's like, I can be my brother for my father. I can be him. I've watched him. I know everything they've done. Mother, let me go. Let me go. I can do this. And when, she when 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 crocus right away is like i like the new haircut ari she's like wait oh he likes my haircut wait wait (laughs) so my plan was i you know it was just it's a very innocent moment for her and like seb said i love that it's gender neutral and we can root for her no matter you know her look her hair style her clothes and it's it's a really empowering for me for 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 kids to watch or even adults to see that for me she she was a kid it it was not a girl it was not a boy she was a kid mm-hmm. what i find so great about that because often it's you send the you send often girls are sent on this path to figure out that they kind of can do it and they were a bit insecure at first and then they were like and maybe i can do this and yeah i'm gonna do this but with ari she's just like so matter of fact she's like there is no doubt in her mind that she can do this shit it's not even it's not it's not even crossing her that this could there could be any doubt that she's capable of doing what what the what the guys do she's just like i'm the only one left i'm gonna do that i can manage that and you can all just (laughs) do whatever and then the, whoever says something against it can just go fuck right off anyway so i'm, I'm just gonna r- rule this shit and 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 that's what i love about her because she's just so you can't tell me i can't do this but she's even in her own head she's not even doubting that and that's what i think is super important and for for kids or for for everyone who's actually playing that it's just like we don't always have to question ourselves as as women we can just do shit and not even even reconsider two or three or four times should we should we not should we not she's just like nope gonna do that <laughs> as a matter of fact during the whole uh, beginning of the game every encounter she have with other people they are telling her to go back 
all of them. Mm-hmm. They are all like, oh, uh, why are you going there? You should go back home. Or the other one is like, oh, you should not play outside. And they are all giving her instructions. Mm-hmm. And she's always like flying over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you rewatch the, the beginning part where she first meets the Guardians and she's going over why she, or she's attempting to go over why she's there when they're like, are, you shouldn't be here. This is a guardians only meeting. You know, what are you doing here? And if you notice, she says things like, uh, but Flynn, or she, she gestures to the sword. Like she tries to describe, but keeps getting cut off. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I, I took that and that's absolutely like real life for me. We're all being a big producer meeting, you know, here in LA, I'll be the only woman in the room and I'll, I'll try to get a word in edgewise. And like I, the people keep, you know, talking over and depending on your personality, you know, that can be really difficult. Cause if you're not that type to be that dy- dynamic dominant, like cutting in and you wait for an opening, you may never yeah. get one. And so if you notice that happens where Bryn's like, you know, wait a second. And he goes into his story and Dagnan's her like, face they, is amazing there. They <laughs> talk over her and she's like, oh. and I love what you said, Monty, about how she doesn't let that deter her because in the end you hear her say, well, good thing I'm here, yeah. right? I'm going to clean up this mess. I'm going to go get your crystal. She just she just keeps, yeah. she's like, see, it's a blessing yeah. I'm yeah. here because I'm going to fix this for you. But, but Ari, the way the character is constructed is that uh, she have a, a, a lot of like ideas as a kid, you know, she's like uh, idealizing the, the, the prince. She's having like a high expectation about the, the guardians and so on. And every step of the way that she's going in the game, uh, her hopes or her uh, or people that she's looking for are actually disappointing her. And the only solution for her is to just to move forward. Because when she meet the Guardian first, she's like, oh, uh, what happened there? An accident happened. And then it's like, you're just lying around. What the hell are you doing in here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she just realized that all of them are like a big goofball. And she's like, yeah, I'm going, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get your crystal. Stay here, figure out whatever you do, and I'm just go. I'm just going, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I took inspiration from my actual five-year-old that is like that. <laughs> She's like, I got this. I got this, Mama. I know how to do it. I got this. Like, she does not let anything deter her. And I was just like, I got to write this in. I got to write this in. Well, I think that's really important because it's not like I can't remember anything that I saw when I was a kid that was like that. Like, that wasn't so encouraging for 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 girls or for kids in general. Like, they're always questioned or something. And, and, and it's not in the game. And that's just really valuable to just see that because i do think that changes things in in whoever plays it because it's more just more accessible more available more present you're more aware of it and that's just makes it more real for you too because what you see is what you then uh, mirror in the outside into the world as well and that's why i think stuff like that is just super important always and you're doing a really good job with it, yeah. <laughs> Great, nice. <laughs> for for me, those those questions of like uh, of how uh, to say that um, of feminism or uh, racism or all those kind of things. For me, those questions are solved since a long time. I mean, in my uh, as. Uh, as a person, I, I don't think about those things because for me, it's solved already. I mm. mean, it should not be even a question. But then I realized that a lot of people 
are still not uh, have like a lot of unresolved issue with it. Uh, whenever we had like lots of message of people getting shocked because Ari is cutting her hair, it's like what the hell is we are still there, mm. uh, and that also made me realize that I might take it as a solved issue, but it's actually not the case for a second. Yeah. Um, I, I remember my uh, when I was uh, when I was still an employee uh, in a in a previous company. Uh, one of my, uh, my actually my boss was a was a female, and uh, she was saying like, yeah, if you always have uh, a question about like, is it appropriate what you're saying or is it not, just like took the, the, the woman subject and replaced it by black. If it sounds racist, that means that it's probably not also appropriate for women, that sentence. Oh, I like that <laughs> approach. I do too. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, uh, women are too stupid to drive. Try to put that with a black in the sentence. You will see. I mean, the woman that sounds racist. To drive is already sounding pretty, pretty problematic. <laughs> no, no, but if no, but if somebody if somebody said that and is not shocked about it, yeah, if yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. it by a black guy in there, it's gonna sound weird. <laughs> and as a writer, I try to do things. I try to take a stereotype like like a typical like the the blonde that doesn't know anything. I try to write a blonde character who is the scientist. Like mm. I always try to change those things mm. on its head because it really bothers me that based on a hair, hair color, based on a body type, a casting director in Hollywood is going to only cast them for this typical role. Mm. And, and it, I, I so in my books in my video games i always try to develop characters that go against the grain that surprise you that have a depth that you didn't expect that have a look that you didn't expect i mean even kids shows that you know i see it bothers me that just because they have a smart young five-year-old on the show she has to wear glasses and wear you know a a geeky attire or with the suspenders Mm -hmm. and i'm like wait we can make her have blonde hair and a cute dress and she can still be the scientist. Like it. So I'm, I'm always trying to change that and trying to just put my own two cents that you can look like anything and also step into any role. I love that. That, that, that remind me the, the marketing team that worked for Big, the a pen company. Uh, they did a pen for girl. Uh, and... Yeah, and uh, Ellen DeGeneres, the the TV presenter in uh, in US, uh, they asked her to actually do the promotion of that. Oh right, well they didn't read the room, did they? Oh yeah, <laughs> and she was like, "Hell yeah, I'm gonna accept it." And then she did a whole presentation about that pen, and it was amazing. It was like before Big invented the pen, women could not write, and since I have that pen, I can write. Uh, <laughs> The whole you, you have to watch it. It was it was like hilarious the whole thing. Uh, it it's, it really described the situation of like people that think they thought better, uh, mm-hmm. and in the end, it's just like we are just all human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it takes it. It's very difficult too to not to give into the temptation to uh, adjust or change. You know your core convictions when you're given an opportunity. Because Seb and I have talked about how in um, the book that I wrote about gaming and and a woman in the lead character called the Holder's Dominion. She in the book you have Kaylee who goes head to head with this hacker. And when I was shopping this book around back in 2010 or so, I was asked to change her to a male character. <laughs> And yeah, and it was like, it was like, oh, I was like, oh, why, you know, why is that? And 
I was really even nervous just to ask because, you know, when you're offered an opening with a lucrative deal with a publisher, with an agent, especially if you're new mm. to the industry, it's like, oh, this is my golden ticket. This is my in. I got to You basically want to do anything it takes to, 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 to snatch that opportunity. So even just asking like, oh, what's the reasoning behind that? I was uncomfortable. Yeah. I was like, I should I should just do it. I should just say yes. And whatever you want, just take me on. But I was so committed to this idea of spotlighting who I was, because like I told you guys in 2002, I got really into Final Fantasy XI. I ended up, you know, ranking in World of Warcraft and being like a really hardcore DPS player. And (laughs) to me, it was like, I wanted to spotlight everything that I had learned to love about MMOs while also highlighting the challenges I had as often the only girl in a raid mm. and how I would get like teased or ribbed where they'd be like, you know what girl stands for in video games, right? And I'd be like, what? What, what does girl stand for? Guy in real life. <gasps> they would always be like, you're not really a girl. You're, you know, you changed your voice. You're a guy. So I, I mean, I would get ribbed all the time and it was, it was, I took it in stride, but at the same time, I wanted to write this book that highlighted this girl that wanted to step into the industry like I did, but was overwhelmed, but didn't know how to kind of approach it. But as you evolve through the book, you figure it out. And it was crazy that the publishers also were like, well, this kind of makes more sense for it to be a male lead going against a male villain, because this is a male world. And I don't want male gamers to be like, oh, a girl couldn't do that. And it it struck such Mm -hmm. a chord with me because I was like, well, but I'm doing it. I'm actually a gamer mm-hmm. in real life ranking and doing really well. So I, in the end, it was the hardest is there was, it was the hardest thing to do to, to, in the end, respectfully decline. Like I said, I'm sorry, I can't go. I can't go against my core conviction that wants to keep her a woman. And I did, I kept her a woman and then, you know, she's, she's still alive today. Amazing. But what's crazy about that is a, a year later, I was asked to be on a panel about female heroes in unique settings. And had I not done that, I would have never mm. been on the panel where I ended up meeting Stan Lee and then ended up writing uh, him later on. Wow. So you see, it like comes all around. Like, <laughs> had I not made that one decision and stuck to my guns, my career as a writer would be very different if, if, if not exist. And all. who knows if you would enjoy it still then? Like if you, yeah. like, if, if you, like if you kind of gave away what your core values are then at the end you may be doing you may might do the thing that you think you love but because it's not kind what you love it's not enjoyable it's 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 pretty fascinating so i always whenever i'm asked like can you give advice to you know aspiring creators writers video game developers anyone that wants to get in this industry i always try to i always think to myself well what i did is i thought I thought, how can I narrow down what I'm passionate about? Because getting into an industry is very overwhelming. If you think to yourself, well, I just like the industry. I I, I want I could do anything mm-hmm. in the industry. I could be you know, a designer, a concept artist, a lighter, a writer. It's really good to narrow down. Okay, if you want to write, narrow it down even more. What what genres really fire you up? Do you want to do fantasy? Okay, narrow that down even further. Do you want to focus on dialogue? Do you want to focus on creating backstories and timelines? Like I really try to 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 emphasize knowing yourself, meditating on what really drives you, and then perfecting that and going and taking classes and mentors are really important to me. And then from there, what 
what what do you want to change about the world? Write about what moves you, what makes you angry, what makes you sad, what makes you happy, and infuse that into your writing because any developer, agent, what have you, is going to sense that realness mm. in every page, so to speak, and that's what's going to bring it alive and make it leap off of the page. And, and even Seb and I had those discussions where when we wrote the ice in Yule, if you go and you the see this ice house quest where there's this um, ice, uh, he, he, he basically built an ice house, you know, and, and we talked about the passion that you would have to have as an ice sculptor to be able to do that. And he had his own problems where he like put down people who would make houses out of wood and he would be, why use stone and glass? Ice is the way to go. And what happens when the seasons change and he has to go through <laughs> his own, you know, mini development arc stories. So, so I love that back and forth where Seb and I had, we always wanted to put depth where we could, mm. you know, we were limited in a lot of places <laughs> and things were cut because of localization, but, but hey, so yeah, that's always my advice for, but, for, for, for new people. For women in the industry, for me as an employer, it's quite hard to even find a woman that actually apply for the for a job. Mm. Um, I, th I think the, the the problem is actually uh, rooted deeper than than uh, just applying for a job. I think like women are not getting enough insights. Um, Uh, jobs like programming or something and for me it's super important to have uh, parity in my team and to to do that it's it's a hell um I think like 80% of the requests or even 90% of the requests that I get are uh, male between uh, 20 and uh, 25. Wow. And that's not just in, yeah, that's, I mean, I have, like, I have so many friends that work at Blizzard and, and like Bethesda and that, that's, HR teams have told me that the, it's the same for them. I mean, even big companies, 99% of their applications are male and they're like, we're trying to hire more women. We need more women to apply. Yeah, yeah. But it's, that's the main issue is that's, I mean, for me, it's extremely important to have women in a team. It completely changed the, the whole dynamic inside the team. Uh, I, I mean, if you have a team with only boys, uh, it's going to end up by being like uh, trash talk the whole day. Not trash talk, but, you know, like those kind of men talk that are quite annoying. And if you put just one woman in the whole uh, in the room, it's going to already change. They're not going to they're not going to feel that comfortable to have this kind of talk. So they're just going to like keep it a bit, uh, a, a bit more discreet or something, you know? <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I think it had, uh, it, it will, it give a different dynamic in the group and yeah, that's essential. And personally, I like working with, with, with a diverse group of people because yeah. I can bounce ideas off of someone that has a different experience than me to try to make it even more authentic. So I mean, I was writing this opening chapter where I'm writing in the mindset of a male character. And I remember passing it by, you know, a male editor going, Hey, is this how you're like a, a male? I mean, again, he, it, he's obviously not speaking for every male, but at least I'm getting an opinion, right. That's close. And I remember him going like, you're close, but you're not quite there. And he put in like what he would actually run through his head. And I was like, genius. Oh, that's totally, I would have never thought of that, you know? And so it's really important to run by, you know, so you can really infuse authenticity in your work. Yeah. And I think diversity as well, like the more diverse your team is, the more viewpoints you can get and the more you can incorporate into a story. And it just makes the story even better. If you have like different walks of life and different, genders different races different 
different cultures, different everything, um, just helps you to be more inclusive, learn more for yourself, but also be more inclusive for for whoever like consumes the content or the game or whatever. So I think yeah. that's for sure. And I think it makes it more realistic as well, because like our world isn't like all just one type of person, like it, our world is diverse and representative. So it just having those experiences on the team and in game, is just like, okay, well, this is just like real life. And uh, the, the the issue that it might create uh, is that uh, seeing so much diversity might also uh, make people that are really into uh, their own stuff getting against it also. Like divide more even, you know, I, it's it's like when you have people that uh, see the new show on Netflix that get completely triggered uh, because you have uh, a female lead instead of having, uh, they change the they change the book from a female to a male or from a black person to a white person or the opposite. And uh, that also kind of like trying to put so much diversity in, in the production we are doing sometimes creates a side effect that we are not expecting. And I think it's growing more and more recently, those things. I think that's because a lot of people feel, feel stepped on their toes, but, and it's, they get more fragile about their own privilege and are not able to, uh, are not are not able or not willing to see that. That even though we have the Black Lives Matter movement and and we're talking about structural oppression that Black people have been going through for centuries now, that it still doesn't mean that they're going to take over and they're going to enslave white people now. The white people are still the privileged people and they don't see their own privilege and that get triggered by something that they shouldn't even be triggered by because it's something that is normal. We are not the superior race of the world. We ab ab abuse and, and oppress others for centuries and we're still in the oppressing position and they're always the ones who feel stepped on their toes. But I feel it's the moment we're in, in this change now and I think change is often quite dirty and it looks horrible and it's, it's, it's work and it's painful, but that's because people are get so upset right now because mm -hmm. we are changing into, I hope, I hope better society where we can accept that there are a lot of more, a lot more people around us that, than just um, two kinds or two, like then just, and that we're, we're colorful. We're, we're, we're different and, that's how it has always been and that's how it will be and it's just about acknowledging that and not putting the others down and like feeling so uh, stepped on one's toes because there is suddenly more diversity in a in a in a movie or in in a yeah. game or something for me one of the main issues is that people try to label themselves uh too much and instead of like just assuming the way they are they have to put their, themselves a label and I think, like with Ari, I really like that she, she in the end, yeah. in the end, she ends up being able to educate or empower or evolve or like push her parents to reconsider. And even the guardians, actually, like you'll see, Bryn even says to Ari toward the end, "Hmm, with everything you're doing, I'm gonna, I have some updating to do of like the traditions mm -hmm. and some changes to implement." So I love that. I think our generation, I think we are able to influence our parents because in my mm -hmm. personal case, my parents are flabbergasted and 
annoyed that I didn't just follow in their footsteps of their beliefs and their code and their traditions. I stepped out on my own and researched and took college classes that they wouldn't have approved of or they didn't think were acceptable. And slowly I was able to bridge this gap with them and bring forth why I think differently and why I want to be more open-minded or inclusive to all these words that they, they're just like, you know, why aren't you just following what I taught you? So I think like Ari, she didn't just follow what she was told. And we were able to show that you, we need to be bold as a younger generation to challenge our parents and our grandparents ways of thinking, because we can't just, we can't, we won't evolve if we just keep doing what ever mm-hmm. perpetuating the same. So it's our job as developers, creators, readers, consumers to voice why we like something or bring our parents into the fold and say, hey, I'm thinking differently. This Mm. is why. I think we are, as you said, like one of the first generations who is like not becoming a carpenter because the parents were carpenters or a cook or something like that. We, we, we did something else and they, but they had like, my mother still had to become a cook because my grandmother and my grandfather had a restaurant. So even though she wanted to become a seamstress, we have friends who he had to become a carpenter because they have the company. And it's not like we are now becoming a more open and a more flexible society. And that's why we see so many different walks of life. And it just, as you say, um, that doesn't, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't have that feeling, but for me, my parents are super young. They got me, uh, when I, uh, when they were 20. Uh, so the gap between, uh, between my parents uh, and even the friends that I have is super weird. Sometimes <laughs> friends that are like 10 years older than me, but they're actually 10 years, uh, 10 years younger than my parents. <laughs> and even like the sister of my mom, uh, she's like, I don't know, like two years uh, younger than my partner. And it, it's <laughs> that kind a whole of, other dynamic into everything. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of the, the, the thing that Janice is mentioning of like people keeping tradition and so on. I actually never had that. Mm. I, my mom was actually going against tradition. Yeah. Bit. I mean, uh, she's a developer already. Nice. From, yeah, it's, I mean, she's like 50, 55 now. But she had to go all, uh, against all those kind of uh, weird moments, uh, especially in the 90s when it was like a woman developer in a leading team. Uh, you can imagine how messy it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a benefit, like a good example when you um, see that when you, your parents are so close together that or you and your parents are so close together in age wise that it also definitely makes a difference. Um, because my parents are 70, my father is 74 and my mother isn't alive anymore. So, uh, so, but that's like, that's the whole, like there is a whole person in between <laughs> your parents yeah, yeah, and like my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Right now, with the confinement, my mom is, uh, it's not an employee that is called, how is it called? Um, you know, it's like you're still uh, hired by the by the company, but you are not working full-time at the moment. They, they did that in Europe. I don't know it's called. Uh, it's temporary unemployment or something. Yeah. Yes, Furlough. Yeah. Uh, Furlough? Huh? Furlough? I have no idea what's the name. I mean, I think in, in if you translate it directly from French, it's called temporary unemployment. Mm, but okay. basically, she used that time to actually train to new stuff. And on my side, also, I'm learning new stuff uh, because I'm between projects right now. And we are both re- learning the same language. 
That's and it's great. super weird. It's like uh, right now we are learning C plus <laughs> plus, and we are like, <laughs> we are like, oh, uh, did you get stuck in in that thing in that part of the chapter on C plus plus? And we're like talking programming, and it's cool. it's kind of it's it's really weird. But also having her uh, a woman in the in the programming industry uh, in the in the 90s. Uh, I think that's what made me very uh, sensitive to that subject. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I guess you also already like had a strong role model, like a strong female role role model in that regard, because you have to have big balls to be in the in a very male dominated industry in the 90s like that. (laughs) She never thought about that. Mm. I mean, for for her, it was like she liked that. Uh, She's going to do it. You know, it's it, she never thought about oh I'm gonna be against a male in the in that industry. Mm. So, but then afterwards she had to uh, really go uh, and realize that people were treating her not in the same way than mm. they were treating uh, her male colleagues. Mm. Uh, w- one day she was like she had a meeting and uh, she was like a bit late because she had to prepare the whole um, how is it called the the whole presentation because she was presenting the stuff and she entered the room it was only men there and uh, one of the leading guy to uh, look at her like very you know like very uh, she was like the the low uh, I, I don't know how to explain that but but basically looked at her and it's like oh bring me a coffee mm-hmm. you know? uh, and she was like she came back home and she was like crying out of it mm-hmm. and i mean I, I me at the time i was like i don't know like 15 or even yeah. less than that and i was like what the hell is happening uh yeah it, it was weird <laughs> but those are all experiences that shaped you and how you work with with women or every pe- person in between um in your own company now so but I, again, for me, I'm I'm past that part, so I don't even realize it anymore. I want to meet your mom. She sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing software for planes, actually. Oh, nice! So cool. And the uh, the brother of my mom uh, was uh, working for um, Ariane, the the space uh, shuttle, the the Ooh. European space shuttle. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Denise here, like totally fangirling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, when can I meet these people? <laughs> In twenty forty three, when the pandemic is over. When I can fly to Europe again, right? Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Okay, so we've heard Denise's advice for young kids. Seb, what's your advice for young kids interested in getting involved in game development and game directing? Uh, well. Uh, uh, basically don't give up it's it's a really easy one but uh during the whole way i mean during the whole uh, training you're gonna have it's always the same thing they're gonna discourage you uh because you're not supposed to to go in that direction you're not supposed to do that or it's too hard for you or what else you know but video games especially video games it's it's something that you uh you don't do it for uh because you're gonna have a massive a massive uh salary or something that it's really because it's something that is interesting for you so the i think the people that succeed in video game are the people that don't give up mm. and, and if i may add to that i i would i would remember that you must invest in yourself and what i mean by that is don't be afraid to 
even if you ha- don't have the means right now and you're like, man, I, I don't even know who I would reach out to, to, you know, apply or invest in yourself as far as home, home your craft, like go and take more classes, even if you've already graduated or if you're about to start college, you know, research the right degrees and things that are that will enhance you don't have to have a degree to work in video game industry but go invest in yourself even if like for example I didn't have the money at the time but I when I committed to becoming a writer I used my you know I got went into debt basically to hire professional mentors and editors to get extra training because I had decided if I'm going to commit to getting into a competitive industry I need to invest in the product which is yourself right you have to be able to do that and So instead of always just kind of relying on asking someone for advice, actually go and do the work, actually go and take a class at, you know, an online class right now at the community college or what have you on writing or engineering or programming and put your, like, like get your, you know, dip your feet into the pond, Mm -hmm. right. And really feel what it feels like to do the job day in and day out. And that will help you navigate what you prefer. Like, for example, I have a friend that works at Activision that he realized that he really liked doing one specific thing in video games, which was creating all of the background um Seb, you all have to help me. I'm not a, a, a pro, but like the people that make the crates, like the barrels and like other oh, props. The props. So he realized he really wanted to be a prop designer. Like he liked getting in there and just noodling like the box and the barrel and the things. And like, that's all he does every day. And he realized that that's what makes him want to get up in the morning. He really likes that. Hey, kitty. (laughs) (laughs) And whereas like I have another friend that he, he does, he realized that he loves the adrenaline of having something change every day and having like a deadline every day and having like the nuances of putting on different hats. So Ian, he ended up being in video game marketing because he really liked the challenge of like, we have to, we have to sell this patch. We have to sell this, you know, we have to make this, you know, look good or feel good or whatever it was. So he liked that adrenaline junkie type of thing. So it was like realizing what drives you is key, but then investing in that and willing to say, I'm not just going to ask for free advice. Like I'm actually going to pay. I'm actually going to invest in professional mentoring but, and guiding because that's important. But me. video game is also uh, one of the industry that is like ever changing. Uh, it's all, I mean, there is always a new stuff. There is always something different. Um, like right now there is like PS5 and the Xbox one X series or Something I don't even like remember that. the name <laughs> uh, that, that are going to be released and the whole the whole system is going to be new it's going to be you're going to have to learn again so it, it's it's something that every st- the the what you need to to know about video game is that you need to know how to learn quickly and how to mm. uh, to get up to date and to get interested in what you do as soon as you as soon as you give up in a way as soon as you're not interested in what you do, what you're doing you you will be just lost in the in the competition in a way mm. It's. I mean, for for writing, it's still you 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 don't have uh, that many change in it. Uh, even though you probably every, t- every time that you work with somebody else, you have a new system to learn probably. Uh, but yeah, for especially for 3D and for like new engine and so on, the tech is like always changing. It's crazy. I do a lot of interviews for this company called Nomen that's based here in LA for people that you know want to get in the industry and visual effects and things like that. And every time I interview an artist, they usually always say what Seb said. Like they have to constantly be 
refining and practicing with the next set of software, the next set, like they, they have to always challenge themselves with that because the industry changes so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know at what point we're gonna we're gonna reach a plateau or something, like that, but it's it's really changing quite quickly and uh, and quite crazily also. Mm. I mean, yeah, if, if if you're a cook and you learn how to cook, it's not gonna change the the, the ingredients are gonna always behave the same way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, in in a video game, what you yeah. learned uh, a week ago can be completely fake, the, uh, false the, the day after, and that's also a big issue that uh, teachers have uh, in the in the game industry, because whenever you are planning your your lesson or everything like that, you planning you planning that at the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. and that also can be an issue because when you are If you plan at the beginning of the year the the course of next semester, you might end up by having something that is not even up to date, mm. and teaching your your students something that is not up to date. So also as Janice, as Janice was saying, uh, you need to uh, to step up and also look for yourself uh, on top of what you will learn uh, at school or what's what the information you they're gonna be given to you. Mm. You have also to to really look for yourself. Mm. This as a like the profession of a teacher is always a bit uh, of a tricky one because it all it is always one where you lack behind. Like you as a teacher, you can only learn what's coming up new to then teach it to someone else. But always, you're always that's one step behind everything. So mm -hmm. there can be already something else developed while you are already still teaching something old. So you're always and that's the kind of the problem with with teachers, like not with teachers, but with the profession of a teacher, that it's always mm -hmm. kind of something past oriented and not really that future oriented because it can't really be because they also have the, they're the step between the thing and the person who learns it, um, that it can get out there, which is just tricky in, in itself. But yeah, totally. That makes, puts more responsibility into the individual for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. And get uh, for for the people that are interested into into going into video game. Also, if it can be a woman, that would be even better. <laughs> <laughs> so we need more women to apply in the video game industry. Yeah. So we just get over ourselves and do it. Basically, <laughs> exactly. Be more Ari. Just be more have, Ari. Have no doubt. Just do it. <laughs> Hashtag that, please. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Perfect. This has been a really amazing conversation. I feel like we got like super in depth into what Ari means, what Ari is and everything about it. Plus like an actual fantastic look at like diversity within the games industry itself. Um, like I, I think it was such an insightful conversation and I know like I'm sitting here, like I've learned a lot um, as somebody who just like has these aspirations in my head like maybe one day I can be a games writer and like I'm like okay lots of good advice here so I took a lot of mental <laughs> notes <laughs> awesome that makes me so happy you can rewatch the twitch afterwards also yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of us has to edit it so <laughs> I, I love what you are doing I love your show I love what you're promoting thank you so much for going out there and advocating for games like Ari and for people all over the world that we, you know, we sometimes feel unheard and unseen and it really means a lot. Thank you. you oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We're just sitting here doing our things, but it's always some, some very good. Things. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so tell us uh, where we can find you online, where we can find out more information about Ari. We will put everything in the show notes. Um, and also I have a full review coming out of Ari, a written review coming out tomorrow, um, which I'll be sure to tag everyone in as well. So. Oh, perfect. Cool, awesome. Cool. Sev, Sev and I, we did a podcast on um, my website a, a while ago when Ari first came out. It was like our podcast, you know, 1.0. And we do have a 2.0 version coming out nice. next weekend, which has all the spoilers. So, Moni, you have a deadline. <laughs> I have a deadline. Remember we talked about deadlines at the beginning all of the this letters. show? <laughs> the good thing is that my brain is so you. bad that <laughs> I will probably hear it. And then I'm like, when I'm playing it again next week, I'll be like, I have gotten all of that so oh, that's new <laughs> all right well well for all of you interested if you go to janisedavis.com my name is spelled with a g sounds like a j but it's uh it's um janice with a g um the podcast is coming out um this weekend and it's like our 2.0 all spoilers revealed where we kind of dive into why did we make those decisions with the twists and the turns and the i can't say it because it's spoilers but all the <laughs> nice. character reveals will be in there i do try to post on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter uh, as often as I can. I fail because I'm I'm I I'm just I'm not. You're, you're I, doing I a better job now at that. Thank you. I I really <laughs> been trying. I had one one of my fans that said like, "Wow, Ari really unleashed the beast. You're finally <laughs> tweeting. You're finally Instagramming and posting." I'm like, "Hey, I'm passionate about this game." <laughs> Um, but yeah, I am on I, I am on those outlets, uh, Janice Davis, and um, I also I, I do a lot of um, like well now it's online, but I do a lot of um, panels for conventions like San Diego Comic Con, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of author panels and video game panels where we really try to help deep dive, like you said, Amanda, into not just what the industry is like but how do you break through those those walls where you just feel like there's no way to get in or under or over and so we talk about you know voice acting in video games um we just did a, a wizard world um online panel with the voice actors of ari right. and and we want to do a second round with more voice actors so i am always trying to help propel the industry with new spotlights on things like this that, that don't get talked about enough, that don't get seen enough. So definitely check out that as well. And just thank you again for having thank me. Thank you so much for being on. here. And Seb, can we find you online? Uh, well, it's quite easy. It's uh, RE Seasons and uh, on all platforms, basically. Uh, so on Twitter, I'm more I'm more active on Twitter. We kind of drop the support on Facebook uh, because uh, Facebook is kind of like... Not really interesting for us. Uh, <laughs> We're not fans of Facebook here. <laughs> yeah, anymore. well, I mean, that, that, that's something I realized uh, when I was going to convention and so on. I had like a lot of people saying like, oh, we saw your game on Twitter. We saw your game on Twitter. And we had actually a community on Facebook that was way bigger. And I was like, how come we have like... 1,000 followers on Twitter and we actually have a lot of people that say they see us on Twitter and we had like at the time I think it was like five or 6,000 on Facebook and nobody was ever telling us yeah yeah. Uh, and basically it's because Facebook wants you to pay for yeah algorithm is shy yeah yeah exactly so it's yeah we drop the support on Facebook because uh, yeah. I, I don't want to pay for people to be able to watch what they actually subscribe for yeah. I don't find that fair uh, especially <laughs> when you have a business pages basically people don't see your stuff anymore oh yeah definitely mm-hmm. it's uh, everything is gone now. Yeah. Uh, unless you pay a few hundred euros just to yeah. to show that uh, but even the boosts yeah. 
boosted posts are money down the drain, really. So unless you have oh, like yeah. proper yeah. proper ads. Yeah. Can I do a quick shout out to physical copies? I just feel like with the, you know, the consoles coming out with you know, not even uh, a disc, like I just, I feel like this is like our last, Aww. like, you know, moment to plead to like keep the physical yeah. versions. Like there's nothing <laughs> like being able to hold Ari in your hands or a book, that a real book. True. And a novel reader. I was saying that to my team. I was telling them like, oh, uh, be, I mean, uh, those copies is probably the last time you're going to ever see a copy. And they were like, what? We're stopping. We're not making any more games or any more ARI and so on. I was like, no, it's just that next version probably going to be full digital. Mm. Simply simple as that. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's something I didn't even think about, but yeah. That's yeah, gonna happen. It's, it's probably we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta shout for it. If we want to keep it, we gotta buy it, keep it, put our money True. where our mouth is. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, but for you, um, you need to be able to go in a shop as well. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. <laughs> Everything changed in twenty twenty. All. Oh yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, we can, we can only get a better twenty twenty one. Let's hope. <laughs> But we thought sure, about 2019 as well, and look what we got in 2020. <laughs> uh, you're right, actually. <laughs> so I'm going to be humble about 2021. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much thank for you. being thank here you. with yes. us. The show. I hope we could do a run, uh, like a rendezvous sometime in the future and do it again. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. that would be amazing. <laughs> yes. And thank you, listeners. We will see you next week for another amazing episode of Geek Herring. If you like this episode of Geek Herring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Herring and over on geekherring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.